That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Turks and Caicos is yours truly Andy Mizzik, the host of What's Up Turks and Caicos, a show made for the youth, hosted by the youth, where I interview some of the most influential youth in the TCI as we dive into a variety of different topics. For me, and that's why I say I won't come back no time soon because I want to make a name for myself outside of Turks uh, and Caicos first before I come back uh, because I already have a name here. I've always just had a passion for it, man. Like I ain't even, I couldn't even tell you where it came from. I think maybe I just seen it on TV one time, and from then it was just going. Like I, I always loved football, and I always knew I wanted to play quarterbacks. With the sole purpose of youth empowerment, don't meet me there, beat me there. Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on the best radio station in the TCI, RTC. What's up, Turks and Caicos? It's yours truly, Andy Misik, the host of What's Up, and I'm here with Honorable Jamel Robinson, Minister of Infrastructure and Physical Planning. So, Honorable Robinson, uh, you have a long, long portfolio, of course. You was also once the CARICOM Youth Ambassador, just like me. I mean, have had a show on RTC just like me. But, however, when did your desire for leadership begin well i think my desire for leadership would have developed over time but i think my core principle is just wanting to help people right mm -hmm. because a long long time ago um, i actually wanted to be a doctor mm -hmm. right that didn't actually exactly work its way out clearly because i'm not dr jamel robinson even though we have a lot of doctors around here but that's a different story um and the end of, of course before i get too far you know what's up Dr. Skagis? um mm -hmm. So from, from that, and it's a lot easier to help people if you're in leadership positions, in leadership roles. And I definitely understand the idea of leading from where you are as you make that transition into to the various leadership roles. So if you want to help people, leadership is essential and it is important. And again, you don't necessarily have to hold a leadership post, but you have mm -hmm. to be in a position where you can influence outcomes basically for the benefit of people so from a long time ago i would have known it but um deep down but over time it was like, okay well if i want to help people in this way i need to be in a leadership role so what do i have to study who do i have to watch who do i have to emulate to be able to come and become a better leader mm -hmm. I just was going to touch on that, like when when the desire fi finally developed, when you know for sure this is something you wanted to do, because like you said, you know, uh, to bring about change, of course, you have to most times to not be in a leadership position. So when you uh, began to acknowledge that, how did you go about preparing to become a leader? Well, I've read I've read it. Tons of leadership-related books and just mm. books to have general knowledge. Eh? Because as a leader, while you might not be a subject expert or expert in a particular subject area, you do have to be familiar with many things mm -hmm. so you can actually make a contribution and know how to make um, good decisions. So mm -hmm. reading um, a lot of the John Maxwell books, actually listening to a lot of the interviews or the the speeches that the late Dr. Miles Monroe would have been giving, 
Um, I, I'm also a big fan on E.T., the hip-hop preacher, Eric Thomas. I listen to him basically every Monday. I get my little head up, as well as I just finished completing his book, UOU, which is a very mm -hmm. good book to read. And you have tons of literature because if any, any particular area you want to be in, whether that's in business, whether that's in leadership, you have to study it. You have to take time and focus. And again, just from our environment, I try to pick the best of basically all of the leaders, not just around the world, but locally. So, for example, big fan of our first national hero, Jakes McCartney, freedom mm -hmm. fighter, rebel, revolutionary. I try to emulate his spirit. That's where people see the, the, the bloops of that. Mm -hmm. Honorable Norman Saunders, another revolutionary type person, very forward thinking, ahead of his time. Mike Mizek, a no-nonsense person, get things done now. Not the best planner, but mm -hmm. definitely a, a no-nonsense person. Mm -hmm. Let's let's go from a hundred million dollars in revenue to half a billion mm -hmm. in revenue, kind of type person. Mm -hmm. In our current premier, very methodical, very focused, very plan-oriented. Mm -hmm. So each of them, that's four of our leaders, mm -hmm. that. If you take different things from them, you can pull it together, mm -hmm. and you get me. Yeah, you 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 actually just I mean jumped the gun there because uh, I was actually gonna touch on that because you know there's a saying uh, to be a man you gotta see a man. I uh, put a little twist on it to be really? a leader you gotta see a leader. You know a lot of people say leaders are born. And a lot of people believe leaders are developed, but I believe regardless whether you were born a leader or develop into a leader, mm -hmm. you have to see someone who's leading and to get you there because we are born as blank slates. Everything we do is mm -hmm. what we're seeing. Who would you uh, give the the thumbs up to say that their leadership, I mean, you, you took a couple pages out of their books and who inspired you to become a leader? Well, I think beyond our the persons you can see and feel mm -hmm. and like I just described four of our preeminent leaders in our country's ministerial history. Mm -hmm. When you when you think about Turks and Caicos politics, you definitely think of those four and others of course, right? And but those are the ones I would have zeroed in on personally. But when you think more globally, I think the person that shows and has the best leadership traits is actually Jesus Christ. Why? You're talking mm -hmm. about a 33-year-old person who, in a short window, I believe his ministry might have been like three, maybe four years, when you look at it, its entirety. And 2,000 years later, it's one of the biggest religions mm -hmm. in the world. After he's gone, it, it became, it just took off after he left. So think about that. And there's nothing that says more about a leader than the leaders you create after you transition, whether mm -hmm. from that particular leadership post or from this world, because it isn't about, all right, well, your specific capability as a leader, which is needed in the time of your leadership, but are you creating more leaders to follow you, not even just to follow you, to replace you, to better you, to mm -hmm. level up from where you are? Mm -hmm. And everything, if you just look at um, everything that Jesus would have done, um, from going into the to the temple and basically looking at all the Pharisees and stuff and just kind of breaking up everything. That's very radical. Mm 
So that's Jace McCartney. Mm-hmm. From his Sermon on the, the Mount, that's mm-hmm. Oracles, that's Norman Saunders. From his all his specific plans um, that would have been laid out as Washington music. From his, all right, well, I got to get these things done. Right, 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 right now. We don't have time to be because I know my time is short. That's Mike Mizek. That's all four mm-hmm. in one. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, so if you think about it throughout the history, and of course they got different military leaders like the Alexander the Great, um, you got Julius Caesar, you got all these military tacticians and um, like the Barack Obamas from from political side. You have um, John F. Kennedy who inspired a country um, to to want more, to be greater. You got you have all these things, and even when you think about leadership being a born versus developed thing, you're born with natural traits, and we confuse the traits of what we would like to see in leaders with their leadership abilities, because having persons that are charismatic, people just automatically want to follow them. Oh man, he speaks so well, he's charismatic, but that's something you can be born with, or something you can learn. Mm-hmm. But we gravitate towards charisma automatically, mm-hmm. but that charisma isn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. So we could get you up, but can we get you to the goal? Mm-hmm. Right? So so things you can learn and better. So for me, I believe we are, there's leadership within all of us. Now we have all different character traits in terms of what our strengths are in the leadership realm, but mm-hmm. all of that can be trained in repetition because... When I was across the, the mic as a new Teen Jam host, I remember the very, very first episode that we tried to plan out. And it was so structured, and it was so dry, and it was like this, that, and the third. But if you check out what me and um, Natalia bought, if you was up, Natalia, did on year, well, day one versus when we closed out, it was completely different because we had time to grow. We had time to feel out, okay, well, I believe it was either half hour or an hour show. It's half hour? Yeah. No, it's half hour, so all right, well, this is how we're going to mm-hmm. fill up that time. Then we put music in. It's about teens and figuring it out and bringing on guests to educate and different, you know, different things. Like, we got Skinny Fabulous before Skinny Fabulous was famous. Mm-hmm. Right? Same Skinny who killing up the place now. He was on Teen Jam over a decade ago. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. we were even ahead of our time then, and I think the persons like yourself, you have this opportunity and this platform to be able to do this mm-hmm. thing, and you being the youth ambassador, you're going to be all over this world, potentially. So you make those connects, and you bring the world to the Turks and Caicos people, mm-hmm. right from the platform you're given right now. Mm-hmm. I was going to just touch on that. I mean, how had being a CARICOM youth ambassador as well as a radio host contributed to you developing your skills as a leader? Oh, it was exceptional because I, I, I learned a few things um, during that time. And I, I would I would wrap them um, quickly. Um, I learned about the power of networking because you're only as good as the team that's around you. Mm-hmm. Very, very important to utilize that time. I, I learned about the, the power of failure and bouncing back from, from failure. Mm-hmm. Right, because had a lovely program design and it did miserable. And all the in, all the intentions were right. We had all the resources we believe we need, and then which was a each one teach one um, tutoring program we were we were trying to run in Grand Turk, but it just kids never came. It wasn't mm-hmm. utilized, and yes, but you find out that okay, well, even with all of the the 
the right intention, sometimes you just fail and maybe it wasn't the right time. Now, I wouldn't say out of that because we were starting learning lead educational center around the exact same time that I was doing this free program, we were doing the tu tutoring program. Now, learning lead <laughs> educational centers are basically our bread and butter. So mm -hmm. who knows what would have happened if each one teach one was successful, would mm -hmm. there still be a learning lead? So you mm -hmm. never know what the reason behind that uh, mm -hmm. failure um, was. But again, um, back to the networking um, example, um, being in the chairs, how and why I would have ended up with so much media contacts that I enjoy up to today. Mm -hmm. Like all the media people I would know, I probably started understanding the the necessity of media and that networking up from, from then to now because um, having the opportunity to be host, um, later on I was designated mm -hmm. when I was the desig um, when I was the director of disaster management counterpart, I was designated the person to interface with the media as well on behalf of the department. So I was I knew what it was to be on the opposite side of the microphone as well as I knew what it was to be on the end of speaking into the microphone and in meeting those persons. So all of that kind of happened like all around the same time where the building out of the network um, was important. So all of that helps um, with, with, with your leadership. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people might have desires to be leaders, both young and older, you know, politically being leaders. So you had the opportunity to be both a youth leader mm -hmm. and an older leader. So what are some tips and advice to individuals who have a desire to become a leader but have doubts about themselves? Well, the, the first thing you you have to have if you want to be in a leadership role or be in a leadership position. You have to have love of self, love of people, love of community, and love of country because it can't be about you and what you believe you can do and deliver for people. It has to always, that has to be a true north where you have to always focus on what you can do and what you are, want to get done for people in your immediate environment. And, and again, the idea of leading from where you are, you don't have to have a, a label to do good for people. You don't need a label. And again, learn, read widely, if it's leadership is the area you want to be in, start reading books. I, I'm a, I don't like to read as much, but I listen to audio books. Get audio books when you're exercising, when you're just out for a walk. You can listen to it. You carve out some time in the morning or the evening or even through the day where you take out 30 minutes, maybe an hour, and listen. So you have to be a lifelong learner because you want to be in position or you want to be in a place when you're in position to make good decisions on behalf of people that you actually have the knowledge to be able to do just that because while persons who want to be in leadership might have good intentions, the world is filled with people who don't have good intentions and you don't want something detrimental to happen to your people or yourself or your community or your country because of lack of knowledge, mm -hmm. right? So you have to just keep on developing yourself, put yourself in position, and people will notice you because everybody likes to be with people who are positive. And perfect example, if your car breaks down on, on, on the side of the road and you need somebody to help you push it, 
you're much quicker to get somebody to help you push your car if they see you already trying to start pushing it yourself versus you just kind of looking around flaking people down, I need help to push my car. So when you do the work and you start the work, people recognize that and people, people innately like to help people who are helping themselves already. So just start doing your thing, continue to do it, build on that and you'll be surprised the doors that'll just open. While it wouldn't be magically opening, but it's opening for a reason. Mm -hmm. So you have to just focus on the things you want to see manifested in your life or to come true in your life and mm -hmm. and then just work towards it and you'll be you'll be surprised how, how well the mind works. If you focus on something specifically, like if I focus right now on an ice cream comment, by the time I walk outside somebody could be close. Uh, but then again, I close the smart so I can really just walk across yeah, the street and true. go get my ice cream. But the point mm. is, if you focus on the thing enough, the mind hones in on the environment and then a pathway to get to the thing you want will appear because you, you, you focus on what you want. That's why persons you see who have a lot of discipline and a lot of focus, they usually get what they want. And that's just not a happenstance. That's just out of practice and, and focus. True. So during the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken, you were the Minister of Health. Yes, I was. And we're still in the pandemic. I was about to say technically in the pandemic, but we're still in the pandemic. So how was the experience, I mean, during the pandemic being the Minister of Health? And as well as I know, you know, it's very tough for the country. However, I know a lot of times we as individuals are looking from the outside, mm -hmm. don't really see the work that was put in. You know, don't see the things that over w was overcame. So, what were some accomplishments that you managed to do during the, I mean, pandemic, the well, peak first, of the pandemic. The peak of the pandemic. First, I like yeah. to you know shout out the the A team over there at the the Ministry of Health. Um, did a great job during the pandemic. Um, we did well under my my leadership during the time. Um, it it was a challenging time because. You're making decisions that you are you have no idea for sure for sure whether or not they're the right decisions. You're making it with the best information you have available at the time, but you don't know if it's going to be right. Perfect example, and we're we're going to make a decision about whether or not we extend or don't extend the arrival passengers' uh, requirements for being mandated for every visitor to be vaccinated to come in. So you're trying to balance and figure out whether or not in the peak, because I came in literally in, a, in, a, in another spike that was taking place in August 2021, right? You are trying to balance, okay, well, we just opened up the borders. We're getting, we had a roaring summer, um, one of the, probably the best summer recorded in the history of the country up to that point. And you have another spike. People are starting to die, significant numbers are getting sick. And you want to keep the place open so you can have an economic activity, but you have to protect people's health. So the happy medium was, okay, well, persons who are coming in, we want to ensure that they're vaccinated. And I remember getting lambasted by one of those former um, premiers that was on my, my list. Oh, this is the worst thing you could ever do. You made a bad decision and da-da-da-da. And I'm like, but don't you know this collective responsibility in the cabinet? So you know me, but all right, cool. So I made it, I, I told them, I said, like, when this thing turns around with our numbers, 
right? Uh, meaning the arrival numbers and stuff because the decision we make now, I want to make sure you're the one that comes back and say what a good decision it was. And up to now, he hasn't done it. So I, I'm still looking for the Honorable Michael Eugene Mizek to come back and say we made the right decision because the numbers bore it out economically and from a health standpoint that it was the right decision at the right time. And again, we didn't know. We made the best decision that we, that we could based on the information because one of the things um, that was on the table as well that we didn't put in place was mandating that everybody who was in the, I can't remember what we call it, but like the, not just the service industry, but the, the high traffic jobs. So if you were in teaching, if you were in um, hospitality, if you were in the police, all of those services that interact the most with people, requiring persons to be vaccinated. That was one of the things that was on the table. We didn't go that route, but people didn't know that because clearly we're not going to talk about what we didn't do. So you're thinking that, okay, well, you're protecting the local population. You're making sure that the visitors who are the majority of the people who are on on island at any one time be vaccinated. And you say, all right, well, that's a good medium. Uh, you're not forcing people to take mm -hmm. a vaccine that we're not still learning about, but had emergency approvals, X, Y, Z. And then you're like, the worst is, I was like, what? We could have made a, a whole lot more draconian measures to try to protect you and impact the, 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 the economy in ways. And, and that was the response. So coming out of that, one of the good things, and I'll link this back to my time as youth ambassador, because that was the beginning of a 10-year run of being in the media and quote unquote starting to get my 10,000 hours to become close to an expert. I don't know if I quite reached 10,000 hours yet, but my main job outside of quarterbacking our decisions and our responsibilities on during that period, right, was communicating with the public. So while I would have gotten the reps over the previous 10 years, so from being a CARICOM Youth Ambassador and being on um, TNGM for two years, being the face of disaster management, being on Election Central, mostly for two years in a row during election nights, right? Courtesy of RDC, big, big time uh, station, you know, these days look out for their own and things the like best, that. The best, the right? best in TCI. Being um, the host of the Patriot Hour. Mm -hmm taking the time to call into expressions and express myself on a continuous basis, being on whatever, all of that stuff kind of culminated into a point where I was the chief communicator for the biggest disaster health pandemic. And of course, being a disaster manager by trade as well helped to be able to communicate and just making sure the public was aware of what we were doing. So that helped to give us at least some room, breathing room, while the, the numbers and the decisions were, were being uh, uh, executed or, or bearing fruit because you could do things, but unless the public understands, there's going to be fear. Mm -hmm. There's going to be, oh, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Which is usually the, 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 the biggest issue with most administrations, the communication now, because people just don't know. But with, in the middle of COVID, either you're doing weekly press conferences or you're doing it every other week or 
but there's constant mm-hmm. communication and people are engaged because they need to know what is taking place and why and what are the trends and all that stuff. And then we would have shown that from August, November, August, October, November, August, September, October, November, straight through when we compared the numbers for the arrivals for 2021 versus 2019, which was pre-pandemic, we were doing better. Mm-hmm. So right there in the loan, just the fact that, all right, well, we were, we were told that, okay, we were making a mistake economically. So what is the easiest, most translatable figure that you can tell the public that we are doing good? Arrivals, because if arrivals is butts and seats, arrivals is people coming and spending and participating. So if we are doing better than we were doing pre-pandemic, then okay, well, maybe it's not going to be as bad. Mind now, you wouldn't have every other economic indicator, but you would have enough to say that, okay, well, that decision actually helped us. And we've essentially been riding that one decision up to this point, right? Because I remember even Chamber of Commerce, outside of um, Honorable Mizek, former premier, saying, oh, that was the decision. Chamber of Commerce and said, came and said we were going to lose like maybe like $60 million or something like that. One figure that they did a, lo- a, a linear type um, extrapolation as to what we are likely to lose by cutting off a portion of our U.S. market, i.e. the vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And I was like, um, that met with them privately. I was like, um, the methodology a little bit flawed because while in theory, 60% of the U.S. being uh, vaccinated at the time, mean meaning we would have only access to about 180 million people, or whatever that number was, um, compared to the entire 300 million, we only needed like 300,000 of that 180 million. And if everybody who's vaccinated, um, who believes we are high-end, uh, safe destination, they'll come, and that's what ended up happening. So we were right on many fronts. So communicating mm-hmm. that message to the public was something that um, that I was positioned to do basically from starting out as a CARICOM Youth Ambassador mm-hmm. and being on RDC. So, so can you speak a little bit about the, the newly formed housing policy and what does it entail? Okay, quickly, and, 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 and just so uh, persons can know, it is a framework. It's a policy, yes, but it is the framework that we've passed and we are working to implement all the, the three main programs that we're starting out with because it's about eight eight uh, programs in total. But the three that we're looking at is the one where we offer significant concessions to build large-scale housing um, on either crown land or private land to try to get a lot of more a lot more units. Um, program two is the program where we do um, home improvements, basically, um, once we have the portal set up, persons will be able to apply, um, and based on the criteria, they'll be able to get up to uh, $50,000 worth of assistance. And now this $50,000 isn't $50,000 cash in hand because we will um, get a suite of contractors to be able to do these works on our behalf. So this, once we deem you as qualified, we get the person to go in, make the assessment, come back and say, all right, well, to repair this or to put this home back into a state of of, of living that is is uh, adequate. Um, this is uh, 
$25,000. So they'll pay the person the $25,000 and they come in and do the repairs to your home to make it uh, livable. So because we would have had persons who would have suffered from Hurricane Ike time in 2008, Irma and Maria 2017, and now Fiona. So we have a number of people across the country that, that aren't in a position just yet to be able to lift their living standard to a, a good a good state. And then last um, program um, that we're going to be focusing on um, from now going forward um, in the near future is the Community Renewal and Infilling Program, which essentially we want to bring persons back into the historic neighborhoods across the country. So we'll assist with um, demolition of old properties, whether they wouldn't, like clearing that space and trying to build houses for the more more vulnerable persons and bring them back into those neighborhoods. So you again, that would have a criteria too. And we're looking to officially launch um, the three programs um, sometime next April, like mm -hmm. mid-April, to have that officially um, go out. Sadly, all great things has to come to an end. You know, we are yeah. down to the last <laughs> of the 30 minutes. So, mm -hmm. Honorable Robinson, can you uh, leave with uh, just some motivation for the youth and the people of the TCI who might be out there losing hope, you know, and or those overseas who don't want to come back because they don't see anything here within the country, you know? Well, what I would say, firstly, for, for those that don't want to come back or had to leave, one, come back home and grow your country or someone else will take your place and grow it for you. So you have to be on the ground and, and and it everything in life isn't going to necessarily come easy. Right? And there can be struggle, but I could assure you what's on the other ends other end of that struggle is something great. And we have to have a spirit of nation building. We have to want to build our nation and we have to build our nation us. Otherwise, others will and will continue to build our nation in the absence of us being here. Being abroad, while it may look like we are faster to bring people in, to take up jobs, to take up opportunities, as a government we are creating and trying to create more opportunities for you to be here and for you to thrive, but you have to come in and do that work to maximize that. It's literally up to you and the global, I guess, thing to everybody is if you can think it, you can be it. Doesn't mean it ain't, ain't gonna be hard work because there's nothing that lasts that hard work didn't build, didn't build. If you want it to last, hard work can have to go in it because they say easy come, easy go. Like some of these sayings that you hear people saying like, they're truths. They might be casually said, but they're truth, and there's truth in it. Just come in. Opportunities are there. There's no such thing as an overnight success. Learn and Lead had, we're coming up on 15 years of existence. We started out in my mom's basement doing one person, teacher, well, my wife was the one teacher at the time, doing one student. Now we have a space in Courtyard Plaza, third floor, beautiful views, running about six tables, um, maybe five or six teachers, a little conference room, we're doing consulting, 
we're doing training, we're doing a whole lot of things in 15 years. Now, if we got discouraged about just having one student when we started, learning lead can never get to 15 years. So you, 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 you can't look down on small beginnings. You can't because everything, like they say it, and again, I'm tired of the cliches, but a journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. So come home, make that first step, and just think long term. Don't focus so much on where you are. Focus on where you want to get to. And before you know it, you'll be there and you'll look back and say, wow, I just walked a thousand miles because I walked it one step at a time. Powerful. So you heard it, folks. Yours truly, Andy Mizek, the host of What's Up with another great episode with Honorable Jamel Robinson. I'd like to see you all next week at 10 a.m. for another great episode. See you guys later.